on the top. Let's do it one more time. Hey, you can still call me a cunt if you want. I will. Oh, I will. <laughs> Adam Cuncher. <laughs> but you didn't have to make a pun out of my name, bro. Oh, but I did. Oh, yes. Great big cunt, great big country. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young, and I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me, once again, it's Mr. Andrew McDonald. Absolute pleasure to be here. Oh, yeah. Mr. Nathan Harrison. Is that our first C-bomb? Maybe of this season, but yeah, definitely like this, not of this the whole one show. minute. Probably okay, oh. not, of, not of today. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty more to come. And uh, speaking of cunts, Adam Bunch is here. We were barely speaking. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> Hi. No, it's nice to be here as well. Oh, I'm glad, man. I'm glad that you're a, you're a part of it, and I'm glad that we're uh, we're making the magic happen once again here in the glorious surrounds of FBI Radio on a Saturday afternoon, hmm. talking shit, just doing what we normally do, just. Guys being guys. We're like this all the time. Exactly. Roll credits. We all live together as well. Yeah. Like Could every, you imagine? Like every band does. <laughs> it's, like, it's like when you went to school and you always assumed that the teachers lived at the school. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I ever assumed <laughs> you did that. What? I'm like sorry. when you're in like kindy why or else, whatever? Why else would they have a teacher's lounge room? Yeah, why exactly. else would they have a teacher's car park? <laughs> and why else, why else would they have teacher's bunk beds in the room, Nathan? <laughs> oh, dearie me. All right, folks, here we are at number 95. Uh, we have the incredible Massive Attack featuring uh, Tracy Thorne from Everything But The Girl. This is Protection. Anyone can help her She's doing so 
Massive Attack there at number 95 in the 1995 Hottest 100. Uh, that song was called Protection. It is from the album of the same name, and it features the vocals of Tracy Thorne from Everything But The Girl. So we will get to talk about Everything But The Girl kind of in passing, I suppose, but let's focus in on Massive Attack to begin with and the relationship that they have formed with Mr. Andrew McDonald. It's a very pleasant relationship. It isn't the strongest, I would say. I have uh, Blue Lines and Mezzanine. Those are the only two albums of I have. Mm. Both of those albums are terrific, but like obviously everybody knows Teardrop as being one of the greatest songs of the 1990s. Yeah, Unfinished it's absolutely Sympathy beautiful. Too, of is course, another absolutely. massive one for me. Yeah, yeah terrific. And this song I've known for quite a few years as well. It's not as well known, um, and it's not as immediately grabbing, but it's gorgeous for its own right. Uh, her vocals are absolutely beautiful, and I think that carries the song. To find out that she was partly in um, leading the composition of this track. It, ma- it makes a lot of sense to find that out. Um, I think her jazz-inflected voice, it's a really fantastic and beautiful accompaniment to their music here, which yeah. I think is more on, the, more on the, I guess, subdued and minimalistic side of, in, on terms of composition. It actually reminded me, musically, a lot of some of the tracks from um, Ambient Works, Vol. 1 and 2 by Aphex Twin. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, but she is absolutely the hero of this song. She ties it all together... Like if she isn't the hero of the song, she's certainly the core of the Sonic uh, like explorations. Yeah, it's an absolutely just beautiful, beautiful track. Understated, I think, is a good way to, for me to at least process this track because it's it's so not grabbing, and to me, it's almost like a counterintuitive for a single and a lead album track opener. I guess it's a real Sonic smooth set. I haven't got the protection record, so maybe maybe it's recently quite different. But I love that. Um, like I guess Thorn, I have everything to rave about here. She's she joined the band for this track following the previous departure of their permanent vocalist, and then they just t- decided to opt for a cyclical nature of like guest vocalists which just turned out to be a beautiful beautiful thing for the band to do as yeah, is evidenced yeah. by mm-hmm. other singles like Teardrop um, yeah it's not quite as memorable as other Massive Attack singles but for its, for what it is it's absolutely beautiful and I'm so I was so happy to revisit it I think you bang on Andrew with saying that um, Tracy absolutely is the standout it, I mean to me it's, it's more like a Tracy Thorne song feat Massive Attack than it is mm. like even a Massive Attack song she wrote the lyrics she wrote the melody to go along with it but one of the most important aspects, actually, is the story behind it and what she wrote it for. Her husband at the time was suffering and almost dying. Like, was it was very, very serious with um, a disease called Churg-Strauss syndrome. Oh, for real? Um, is this which, which ben is, what we're talking about? Uh, the other I, half of everything but the girl? Uh, potentially. Yeah, um, I'm, pretty yeah. Sure that, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure they were in a relationship mm. for quite some time. I'm not sure if they're still mm. together or not, but yeah. When you hear that story... And then you look at the lyrics and you look at what's being delivered there. The whole song just becomes unspeakably beautiful. Mm. Like, it took on a whole new dimension, a whole new set of meaning when I looked at that. Like, all the stuff about... um, uh, You're a boy and I'm a girl and then the reverse of that. Yeah, the reverse is absolutely stellar. And just, like, imagining... Like, I get goosebumps even thinking about it because it's just, like, so beautiful. But imagining her giving him permission to just be taken care of in the form of this song. It's like I will I will stand in front and I will t- and you know I will protect you. And I and there's a beautiful lyric where she's like, you know, yeah, you're the girl, I'm the boy, and I'll fight anyone who says that that's not okay. Basically like I'm paraphrasing madly, but that's that's the whole thing and just the the whole from her side of getting the, that out and the, that wish to protect, but also from his side as a listener, you know, you can go along and Think about what it would be like for him to listen to that song and and have that feeling of protection and have someone who wants to protect you that badly coming through and you know breaking the rules in order to do so um, is just absolutely wonderful and the way that it comes through with that kind of freewheeling but also just deeply melodic kind of 
vocal in there. It's just so masterfully constructed and just so felt. Like, and yeah. I, and, I, and you, like, it's so genuine. There's no hint of irony in it. No, it? Yeah. not yeah. even a little bit. Mm, it's it's yeah. just a genuine love song and a love expressed through song. Yeah, which more, I think is yeah, different. It's a love expressed through song. It's not. It's, it. it's not like a love song like the Cure's love song or anything like that. No, it's, no. it's just it's a song of love. It is an expression of love in a song, yeah. which is a whole other level altogether. And I just yeah. absolutely adore it for that. I think the song in itself is wonderful, but I think it is so much greater than the sum of its parts because of what it stands for and what it uh, invokes. I just love it. I I think this is the first song of the countdown where I've seriously gone, why the fuck was this not higher? Yeah. You know what I mean? I worship the ground that this song walks upon, you know. Uh, This is a very, very close second to me behind Teardrop for my favourite Massive Attack song. I've just always found it endlessly fascinating. I love the, the little things that are going on, like with the the warped piano going on in the background and then that single, like, inverted B7, I think it is, the wow, 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 mm-hmm. like, how it just kind of just fades in and out of the sounds, yeah. You probably give more props to Massive Attack. Yeah, as much oh, as, yeah, yeah, as, the, yeah, the, as much as we are going to. The beat uh, is fucking incredible, but yeah, like, Tracy Thorne is the heart of this song yeah. for me. It's yeah. easy for us to talk about how good Thorne is, and now it only helps that. You telling that, I did actually get shivers myself. It's yeah, beautiful. Yeah. It's way too good. But Massive mm-hmm. Attack, as producers, uh, and I think the, the fact that they were smart and composed enough to, I guess, position themselves more as a more as accompaniment here mm. than foreground speaks to their speaks to their intelligence. That's it. And, and also and the, the subtlety yeah. and minimalism they play with, like it's just it's perfect. Yeah. Like, they are incredible. masters of their craft. Yeah. And right from the start you can hear it. Like everything is so deliberate in, in how little it needs to do. Yeah. They know exactly what they're doing with this song. It's incredible. Yeah. I didn't realise how instrumental they actually were. I mean, obviously, in terms of legacy, I can see them as being like one of the standout poster um, trip-hop bands, but they yeah. were actually instrumental in the formation they're, of they're, the genre. They're trip-hop. Yeah. yeah they, they Blue, were Blue there. Lines was... Yeah. 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 In Bristol. Yeah. Even before recorded trip-hop, which I think is so fascinating because in hip-hop, there was this whole period before recorded hip-hop that's, that's the most important thing in terms of the foundation of that genre mm. in yeah, terms yeah. of what was happening on the streets. And... Maybe deliberately, the trip hop scene in Bristol had almost the exact same setup yeah. and the exact same mm. thing with like parties and live events and the debuting of this new style of music in a live uh, experience. Well, Can like you imagine coming across this for the first time? Oh, like, oh. like, like at a, at just just being at the at the birth of like any fucking genre, just being like. What the fuck is this? Yeah, I just know. want it's, it's to be. Pre- it's pretty great. Vape Wave is very good. Oh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I was, uh, could you imagine like a fucking version of um, Losing My Edge by LCD Sound System? I was the first one to play Vapor Wave <laughs> <laughs> at the rock clubs. They all thought it was crazy, man. <laughs> um, has anyone uh, in their, in their uh, research, uh, did anyone watch the video for this? Mm. Oh, incredible yeah, video. Michelle the video Gondry. is one, another, like, I know I say this a lot, but it's genuinely one of the best videos in the 90s because like, Michelle Gondry he's all over yeah, it yeah, yeah. Yeah. he did an incredible yeah. job with it and just like when you uh, when you watch it for the first time and you don't know the concept of like how it's all laid out and stuff like that you're just like hang on why are they like weirdly like posed like that like why are they doing that and then when you watch it the second time and you know like how it was all put together fuck it just trips you out yeah man. yeah I think huh. it's, yeah, How incredible. It pops you out. <laughs> ah, got him. Uh, I, I love that this has been a love-in, you know? Like, uh, there's always a few in every countdown where yeah. we're just like, yeah, this fucking rules. And it's just the best. I think this, I think this might be our first one. Yeah. And- I th- honestly, I think that it's uh, one of those things that if somebody 
doesn't find something to enjoy about this song, there's just an actual disconnect between our loves of art. It's yeah, like, and they're it's a so robot. Genuine and beautiful. They are just a robot. They're yeah. a robot. Yeah, yeah. It actually means don't slave. trust the robot. What robot means slave? Oh, yes. Did you not know that? They're going to resent that. <laughs> First, when artificial intelligence comes along, they'll be like, um, I don't like to be called that word, robot. Can you don't get to beef? use that word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is our word. We get to use that word. I mean, to be prophetic for a second, what is the chances that like robot could become a slur? <laughs> Wow. wow. <laughs> I, think I think we're dipping our white toes into a very deep pool. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Known futurists, hottest 100s and thousands. <laughs> First trip hop, then the stars. Oh my God. <laughs> Number 94, it's the return of UMI. This is Jewels and Bullets. Mm. Mm. Every word they sling you hits like you folks have never. Again in the Triple J Hottest 100. I think this is our third UMI song, so good times all round. That's uh, Jewels and Bullets, uh, and that came in at number 94 in the 1995 Hottest 100. I want to bring something up. Um, Robert Forster, uh, one half of the uh, incredible songwriting team behind the Go Betweens, mm-hmm. once wrote a piece called The Ten Rules of Rock and Roll. Some great bits in there. One is, uh, anyone who changes their guitars more than twice in a set is just showing off their collection. <laughs> Amen yes, to that. Yes. <laughs> um, but he also mentioned that the power trio, guitar, bass, and drums, is the most primitive and straightforward release of rock music that there is. And I think about that when I think about the trio days of UMI. So hmm. back to the the so-called classic lineup. Uh, so you've got Tim Rogers on vocals and guitar, Andrew Charles Kent on the bass, and Rusty Hopkinson on the drums. Davey Lane wouldn't join on lead guitar until 2002 or maybe 2001, I believe. And he is a remarkable addition to the band. He has been for the entire time that he's been there. Do not get me wrong. But at the same time, I love those early UMI recordings of one guitar, one bass, one drums, and just the way that they all kind of played off one another. When this kicks into that that guitar break and the rhythm section is still just fucking hammering away, mm. like, and it doesn't have like a solo thing to like back it up, like a rhythm guitar or anything to back it up. It's just it is like that primitive release kind of thing, and I love that. I love the way that it sounds, and I love the the production on this track 
And that final riff when they're just fucking going for that, 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 that is just spot on. I personally, we've talked about this, the kind of divide between Hi-Fi Way and Hourly Daily. I still go Hourly Daily over Hi-Fi Way, but, you know, there, there are still songs from earlier on in the UMI canon that, that make that decision a bit more difficult mm. for me, and I well, think be- this is one of them. Between those two, it's really a case of, like choosing your favourite kid. Those yeah, are yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Why not both? And they're all... My kids are adorable. Yeah. But <laughs> can I say, this song, like, this is obviously a terrific track. There's not gonna, I'm not going to surprise anybody with my opinion there, but the opening, every word they sling at you hits you like your folks have never been kind. Ugh. Holy yep. shit, yeah. I love you, Tim Rogers. Yeah. That yep. is... Especially that, the, the man can write. Yeah. Yeah, the, when he hits that, everyone. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so like, I think... I was glad we're talking about Tim Rogers' vocals here because I think that's like the the best. Because like, we nearly weren't going to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad we're talking about it right now. I don't have to wait any longer. <laughs> because actually listening to it, I, I realised something about what makes it so great is that he. I feel like when he writes, he's writing notes that are just a little bit too high for him to sing. Out of his range, yeah. You know what I mean? And so he, he's forcing himself. It's just, there's an old quote by Jack White who's saying, like, when I play live on stage, I want to make things hard for myself. Mm, so yeah. Puts things further away each That's time. It. It's all about constraints. Yeah, and I reckon that that same motivation, that same ethos is definitely at work with mm. Tim Rogers because he knows how fucking good he sounds <laughs> when he's straining and just going for it in those notes. And this song is like... Like Berlin Chair had it. I think this song even more than that is just a shining example of that. And it's like Berlin Chair too. Like it's so many similarities to Berlin Chair. I can say that every which is absolutely to its credit. Yeah, every, everything that he does in this song is just so dripping with rock and roll charisma. Yeah, is, yeah. he like that's a new you thing are, for Tim Rogers. <laughs> I know, right? you, like you, you something are, like, new and different. What you and I do like that that channeling of like that sixties and seventies like kinks and who kind of sound into a modern Australian context is. It really separates them from just being a guitar rock band in my eyes. What they do is yeah. just such a genuine and earnest love of power rock mm. from the 60s and 70s, but just modern and just like, we're just some guys who love this so bad, but we don't sound like the Kinks. Like, they just love what they do so much. And all of them here are terrific. Like, the down-tuned kind of post-grungy riff that kicks off the song after that, Never Been Kind, fantastic. And the same staccato yeah. guitars that we've heard in Berlin Share as well. Dun, dun, dun. Like yeah, exactly. Kinda, yeah. Which is, yes. which, is, which is wonderful. So, so good. Something that's really big for me, and I think it kind of goes back to what you're talking about with like the power trio of guitar-based drums, is how much space they have around everything. Like, particularly Tim's vocals. Like, there is space between every phrase. Like, every word, they... Like, there's so much space in it. And I think that combined with the strain of, like, having to reach all these notes that you put in the song you can't really reach. It just, to me at least, it gives the impression of, like, it's giving everything, but also like not having everything to give anymore. Like, yeah, it's such like there's such an like oh. an exhaustion in like getting this song out. Like that's how important it feels and everything. And, and it's so good, and he's yes. so good at doing that. And again, I think I did not to bring it back to, but again, I think we're saying the same thing about Berlin Chair when we were talking about these guys last time. And it's like the bitter ecstasy, yeah, of mm. of of being caught in exactly as you said, like giving everything but not having enough to give. Yeah, goddamn, which perfect. like you know. As, as such a charismatic rock front man, it's very easy, I think, for a lot of musicians to fall in the trap of, like, you don't have to put that effort in because you're too cool, but it's yeah, not yeah. about, like... Modern uh, day Jack White. <laughs> yeah. 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 Got him. But this is the complete... Like, he's cool because he's working so yeah. hard. In terms of the charisma, not really in terms of composition or even the way the song sounds, but in terms of char- charisma, 
being like a fire to burn to drive the engine. Very, very, very reminiscent, I think, of John Spencer. Mm. Like just Ooh. that, undi- yeah, I can that undying love and genuine adoration of rock and roll as a concept to yeah. be something that drives the way that you perform and write and like yeah, it's just wonderful stuff. This is a terrific track. Fuck yeah. Too low. What's with what's with the beginning of this countdown oh, just being all quality? What's the yeah. deal? Yeah. Jerry Seinfeld, what is the deal? This should have been the top ten. Oh, I know. Clerical errors. <laughs> oh. <laughs> bloody Wait, we this- started at the wrong end. Oh. <laughs> Got a bloody written this countdown. Number one was supposed to be Todd Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> On you, Toddy. People, oh, people man. of the hottest 100s and thousands nation, you have waited long if fuck enough. It's time to get on the drug. This is Tism! Mum. <laughs> <laughs> With all homeboys are dickheads. I know his dad's abusive. His mum prefers the daughter I know he's got an attention Deficiency disorder He's culturally excluded And genetically inbred But the reason he's a homeboy Is because he's a dickhead Tell me why Tell me why Tell me why he's a homeboy. Tell me why. Tell me why. Why? 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 Tism at number 93 with all homeboys are dickheads. Oh my god, we're talking about Tism. We're talking about Tism. We're talking, we're talking about, about Tism. tism. We I, I nearly talking about Tism, but now there is a reason. Now, now, now people cannot ask us to stop talking about I'm not, Tism. Well, I'm not just in my room alone <laughs> yeah. talking about Tism. I nearly bought a T. I, I was like, I've only had a Tism t-shirt to wear this morning and I nearly bought one before I came. <laughs> oh my I've never god. arrived in time. <laughs> And no one would have known anyway. <laughs> this is an audio fucking medium. This is how much Nathan Harrison lost his. <laughs> too much. Oh, okay. Did you, uh, you want to just take a, a smoker while these guys? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Here's what we're going to do. Adam and I, on the count of three, are going to move like this away from the microphone. Just for the moment. Just for the moment. Just for the moment, and give you guys the floor. Yeah. Okay. It's important. This is your moment. And here we go. All right. Ready for this? Take it away. All right. Ready. One. Two, three. Uh, Man, two and a bit seasons and we finally made it. Finally. Slogging through all that crap. Yeah. Um, Okay, so, Tism. Honestly, where to start? Tism are a band that I thought about this for a long time and thinking about talking about this song. They're a band that are perhaps more formative of my own sense of humour and irony, my appreciation, and also my appreciation for distancing myself from what is perceived as being funny or ironic. But they've influenced that perhaps more than any other artist. What comes close is maybe David Foster Wallace. So that should tell you exactly how fucking high Tism rank in my life. Yeah. Absolutely. They taught me so much about being clever and funny and irreverent and it's it's incredible. Uh, If if you're not familiar with Tism, which is probably a lot of people, uh, Tism are a seven-piece anonymous band. It stands for This Is Serious Mom. From Melbourne. From Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia. We formed in 82, broke up officially in 2005. But also broke up in 82 and every gig since then was a reunion gig. Part of their reunion tour. Which, you know, that probably goes some way to explaining what Tism is. Yeah. Um, You'd know them from... um, He'll have been Old Man River. Or I'm on the drug. As Which we're going to hear about later. Yeah, and also Greg the Stop Sign. Yeah. 
which we'll also hear they about They wear later. balaclavas or silly costumes. They did a gig with white goods instead of amps. They did a gig with another two, tism there was playing tisms. at the other end of the room. They did a meat raffle gig. Yeah. They, they conducted their interviews across an AFL pitch with a piece of twine held between them and the interviewer. If the twine fell slack, they stopped speaking. They are nothing if not wonderful. Uh, but the they thing are is- a moral compass for Australian co- uh, culture in yes. like so many ways. Yeah. And the way that they pull in references from an immensely wide pool of high and low brow. Of high art. and low, and that's so important. Yeah, the, as well. It's a high and low brow culture, and um, I will double back around briefly. But I think something that in terms of that high and low brow stuff that's perfectly exemplified in this is um, the fact that it's called "All Homeboys Are Dickheads," but it also contains b- biblical references and Dostoevsky moralisms. Yeah, in the uh, brothers Karamazov, here's what Dostoevsky, Dostoevsky said. said. Yeah, it's the what a line. and the utterly simplistic um, musical composition and the fact that it makes fun of sampling Johnny Otis's country girl and changing it from great big country girl to great big cunt. It Which is, is clear because they put out an EP, Australia the Lucky Cunt. That Australia was before like, this? Before this, yeah, yeah. So they clearly just thought they hadn't got enough mileage out of that uh, joke. Yeah. yeah. Having said all of that, I do think that this this is a good Tism song, not a great Tism song. Ripping on homeboys in the mid-90s was a very easy target, and Tism are more fun when they make fun of things that aren't meant to be ripped on, like Nick Cave or The Doors or Philip Glass operas. Yeah, or Jeff Um, Kennett. Or Jeff Kennett. (laughs) Um, Or Peter Reith. (laughs) Having said that, though, this is still obviously a wonderful song. It's terrific. Like I said, it combines that high and lowbrow stuff. The the wide sample, which is just, I guess, post-chorus, is too much fun, and I always smile when I hear it. Yeah. I never go a fortnight without listening to a Tism album. They are... A constant of my life. I am so intimately familiar with them that I can't recommend them to people because I know them too well, and I can't say you got to spend four years listening to this band. Like, yeah, I would say that they're my favorite band, but it just—it's not. The they're same not a thing. band. They're that's not the a band thing. that you it's, like. It's, it's a cultural thing. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I, it. I can't say I listen to them more than anyone else, and I enjoy them more than anyone else. But that's not—I wouldn't say they're my favorite band. Yeah, I, I, a, musically, they're not. They're not post-music in the way that, like... The Residents. The Residents or Mersbau or Macintosh Plus are all post-music examples, which you have to analyse from a separate point of view compared to musical composition. They're not like that. They write pop songs. Mm. But, like, that almost seems like... It's like, I view them in a way which I can't articulate without being pretentious or a wanker to be tism vernacular savvy. The safest way I can say to them is I see them as post-post-music. It goes beyond the constraints of something which is post-music and goes beyond that into the realm of pop. It's like, like I guess, like, bubblegum based does but yeah this this is how much i love them I, i'll analyze them critically and if i can change my phd topic to be writing about tism you goddamn better know that i will <laughs> <laughs> but this song is fantastic yes. it's as, as you say it's, it's not like it's never going to be creme de la creme yeah. of tism both in terms of good poppy funny songs all the weirder stuff yeah um but this is a great song i kind of like that it's so easy to pick on homeboys yeah. just because like like just it's that lowbrow stuff yeah. of just calling them dickheads. Like there also, is no value at all in the content of this. Also, song. the logic, like it's like it's reverse psychology. Normally, you would say somebody like, "How's Michael a dickhead?" Oh, because he acts like a real homeboy. Like it's just annoying. But the fact that they're saying the like the logical reason for somebody to become in in to fall into homeboy culture is that they are intrinsically a dickhead. Yeah, is really wonderful. Yeah. Adam, See, this is <laughs> why plays no, everyone else. This is why I stepped back because I knew that we were going to witness something friggin' awesome with the, <laughs> the fact that you guys are talking about it. Like, I think you guys almost make tism as being a thing that is no longer a thing as a complete thing to analyze, almost better in itself. 
Like, I kind of get that Great. impression. <laughs> this is just another Monday morning boot party for us. <laughs> they're like this all the time. <laughs> that is true. We have Because yeah. you're, you're, like, passingly for me. I've been pushing Tism very hard on you. Um, <laughs> and I did it. I did it. I, um, yeah. uh, for March of 100 Albums, which is an institution where we, all four of us are, a part of it, and as well as some other people, we listen to 100 albums, usually around a certain theme in March. And for this March, I was taking uh, recommendations from people to form my list of 100 albums, and Nathan gave me all Tism. So I proceeded to do five Tism albums in a row over two days. I was running... Only two. Which, I, which were, of course, Great, great Trucking Songs of the Renaissance, 1988, Hot Dogma, yes. Correct. 1990, uh... This record, Machiavelli in the Four Seasons, nineteen ninety five, featuring great songs as "I Love You, Baby" and "Baby, I Love You." And uh, I think "Derigor Mortis" was one of them. Yes, from two thousand one. It was indeed. And then finally, White Album. That is correct. Nice. So you, you, so you'd heard this song before. Yes, and I guess I'm not really. And perhaps you could enlighten me here, but I'm still not quite sure of what "Homeboy" refers to. It's like the white boy. Like the Wigger, I guess, from the 90s. Mm, sure. Guys who were like crazy in hip-hop with the baggy pants, but that didn't actually... I guess particularly in Australia in the 90s, you didn't really have a tie to African-American hip-hop culture. And this, is, and this is kind of exactly the thing where I talk about like uh, Tism as Artifact, which I think is really great, because like I, I get the reference, but it's actually specific. And it's about... It's rooted in that particular period in time. And I think there's a lot of stuff that is part of Tism's discography that is kind of like that. They're talking about stuff that's happening at that moment. Even the fact, like, um, we're going to talk about Greg the Stop Sign later on. Like, that was a a parody of an ad. Mm, You know what I mean? Mm. So, there's just all these layers of stuff, which is why I always will defer to my enjoyment of Tism secondhand. And by no means is that, like, a secondhand enjoyment in a second-place enjoyment when I I get it through listening to you guys speak. And that's just, like, that's just what Tism are to me. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, and it's funny how... It's great. It's funny how particular... Like, when I speak to um, a good friend of mine who lives in the UK... And she and I were talking about uh, specifically cultural things. When I was talking about how I really liked the, the, the most recent PJ Harvey record, "Let England Shake," but I did yeah, feel like good. I was viewing it from the outside. And she was like, yes. "And she was like, I've lived in my family has lived in England like since they've known they have a family history. So to her, it had a real tie. Like her, her parents mm. had been in wars and stuff like that. And she's like, yeah. so I felt a really deep connection with it. And I'm like, yeah, right. I'm always going to view it from the outside." You can't, I think, view Tism. I view it from the outside a bit because I didn't grow up in Melbourne. Mm, because, because, yeah. I, because it, it could, because so until. That's how wonderfully specific it is. Yeah, like, because, I think that's to its credit. Yeah, because I didn't know that it was really specifically tricky to make a right hand turn on Swanston Street. <laughs> yeah. I had to learn about that second hand. That's how specific Tism love is. Yeah. Yeah. They are, yeah. They I tried to show Tism to my American friend a couple of months ago. Oh, and tricky. that was That was very tricky. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. DJ Y, I know you're a you're a tism you're a, you 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 enjoy the the the, the this is serious mum. All right, at number ninety two. Uh, this <laughs> is, no, 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 no. Um, I just I just don't feel like I have anything to say yet because <laughs> like because you guys covered everything. Yeah, like, I'm sorry. This is that's that's what sucks about going last on this podcast. Everyone's just like, yeah, you like this. Point. I also I agree. also want to make this point, and then it gets to you, and you're just like, well, here's my point. Looks down at list of <laughs> yeah. all points that have been previously made. That's Fuck! where you make like a last second change. You're like, no, I'm gonna hate this song just to be different. Well, you know, but yeah. don't you dare! Because <laughs> that's that's some next level Nathan Strat. Mm-hmm. Have you employed that? Who could say? Can we trust anything as being authentic, Nathan? I or can't. perhaps authentic Nathan is the theatre. <laughs> <laughs> um, what can I 
say about this track? Like, I, I, I quite like it, but I think, I think I'm going to describe this as advanced classism. Uh, you have to yeah, get, you, you have to listen to the hits. Uh, you have to kind of get what's going on. You have to understand their very shtick. Uh, in the opening, uh, well, not the opening, just like their better known songs, and then they're just like, "All right, let's see how you go with this the one." Yeah, yeah. It, you know, I with like the philosophical references and the sampling yeah. and the weird like. Oh, the camera is off. Like Sorry, that. that that I can appreciate straight away. Like the way it's just <laughs> like so awkward. It's it's so awkwardly dropped. It's just like yes, I'm going to quote the brothers Karamazov and preface it <laughs> in by the saying, worst way "This <laughs> is from like in this book." Here's what the author said. <laughs> yeah, hectic. Know your enemy well enough, and you will pity them <laughs> instead. <laughs> I, th- I definitely would would consider this song got into the countdown off the back of the much more popular Greg the Stop Sign and He'll Never Be an Old Man River. But this was a single. But this was a single, yeah. I, I'm, I sure, is, I'm sure it's, Jay it played it. It is a step it. deeper. Um, but, but it's, it's, still, it's, still, still, fun it's still on the best off. Like, it's true. It's do true. you think it's perhaps a case of uh, the vote is for the theme? And not for the song. Yeah, I think there'd be a Maybe bit there of are that. a lot of people a little, but, I, but I also think that in the mid-90s, Triple J pumping the shit out of Tism and the Triple J audience in the 90s yeah. loving them and some people voted for all, all three Tism songs. Sure. I can't yeah, say... Sense. I, I think a very small percentage of people who voted for this would not have also voted for the other two tracks. Yeah, I agree. Um, as just to go back to the song for a bit, uh, I, this is kind of a precursor to what we see a lot more of in Greg the Stop Sign at the other end of this countdown, but I love how well they sing in the chorus. When Tism are good musically, it is such just it's remarkable. like it's it's incredible. Like no band should sound as good as they sometimes do <laughs> if they're going to be that irreverent and like quote Dostoevsky so badly. Like, but they do it, and and just those harmonies on "Tell Me Why" is just like ah. Oh. That doesn't seem fair. Because it's almost the case of like, you guys could be like a moderately okay acapella band. Like yeah, with, yeah. With the clicking that goes along with it. This is like the guy at school who's an asshole and doesn't do any work, but then like Slays beats you in every test. And, and also, yeah, he's good at everything. And you're like, that that doesn't seem right. But it no is No justice. Right. Tism no. shows us that life is unfair. Exactly. <laughs> This is not the last time we're talking about Tism, motherfuckers. Yay. It's not even the first time I'm talking about Tism. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we will be back on the drug right before you know it. Okay, now at number 92. This is Matthew Sweet. This song is called Sick of Myself. Sweet at number 92 in the 1995 Hot 100 with a song called Sick of Myself. Buncher, what do you got? He didn't ask him if he was sick of himself. Are you That's sick of classic oh, no, 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 no. Do you want to fucking host this show? No. I, no, 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 no. <laughs> Alright, hang on. I, I wasn't song trying back. to derail. <laughs> yeah, alright. I'll bring the song back up. Bring the song back up. Let's go again. Right, 
Yes, yeah, you are. I was joking. I wasn't trying to like say you did Coward. it. Wrong. I was Coward. 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 <sighs> that was Matthew Swade at number 92 in the 1995 Hottest 100 with Sick of Myself. Adam, are you sick of yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks All right, for bringing cool. that up. All right, Matthew Sweet. Yeah. Is this guy just seriously the, the physical embodiment of the 90s himself? <laughs> take, take for a moment to consider the fact that not only did he name his album Altered Beast mm. based Oof. on the, uh, the seminal and very influential Sega Genesis game, which is ridiculous and brilliant, <laughs> and I love Altered Beast, and I'm kind of upset I'm not playing Altered Beast right now. <laughs> Get ready for some altered beasts. Sega. Live from your grid. Power up. Welcome to your doom. Sound bites. But also, his music has been featured on Buffy, Baywatch, Beavis and Butthead, Ace Ventura, The Craft, Austin what? Powers, Sabrina the Teenage oh Witch, God. Can't Hardly Wait. Like. Was something in the 90s only greenlit if Matthew Sweet was approved for the soundtrack? <laughs> but but listening to, are you surprised Illumin- listening to this song, though? Well, no. This is like makes- quintessential 90s alt-rock pop. Which came first, Nathan? Which came f- Was he the trope <laughs> codifier, or was he following someone else? He's the Illumin 90s. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Very good, very good. That's what I suggest. Uh, spot on, spot on. But, uh, <laughs> that's the best thing I can say for it. Like, geez, sounds pretty 90s, doesn't it? <laughs> this, is, this is pretty 90s alt rock, is it? Do you, like, do you like the 90s? Do you like Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Remember this song? Great. Have a ball. The Good. notes that I wrote here were um <laughs> this is this this was the great song that um that you that you need at this point in the countdown so you have enough time to pop away from the radio and grab a beer from the fridge <laughs> at the barbecue. Yeah. I'm pretty stoked that this kind of like Oh, it's one of the other middle of the road '90s songs are becoming less frequent. Yeah. <laughs> but, they, but it's like it's like someone needed to go and get ice for the beer, and it's like, no, wait, 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 Matthew Sweet might be coming up soon, and you can make the trip there. You can go to the you can go to the servo. <laughs> go to That's the a servo. hell of a risk. <laughs> yeah. How can, you be, can you drive? Well, by the time he rolls around, I'll be. Oh, I've only had two, so it should yeah. be all right. <laughs> yeah, I won't be in that deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, there's a lot of things about it that aren't great, and the things about it are, that are great aren't that great. Mm. It isn't that. It, it, it's, not, it's not very sweet, I would say. It's more more Matthew Umami. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. What do you think about it, Dave? I can't follow that. Honestly, look, no, right? I'm not following all, that. All I you can say that. is that it's pleasant enough. That's it. <laughs> I could believe that some people like this a lot. I really like it. Do you really? actually? Wow. Like, as, as like a shitty 90s yeah, right. like, pop yeah. rock song. I think song. it's a good oh, little okay. bit of power pop. You yeah, know, in the it. same like, vein as like Super Chunk or whatever And like fuck. Vertical Horizon and all of that jazz. And, Don't um, you dare talk about Vertical Horizon. She's so high. The guy did She's So <laughs> Tal High. Bachman. Tal Bachman. Tal Bachman. Like, has totally oh, yeah, opened for Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh, yeah, he has. <laughs> when? I know. Probably like 2008. Like concert. Pre-fame or something? No, no, wow. when she was famous, it was on the Red Tour. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Ca- he came out and did a duet with her. She lo- oh, she, nice. she, she's a bit of a fan. He yeah. got a please welcome to the staged. That's Mr. amazing. Mr. That's Tal Bachman to blow the minds of every 12-year-old in the audience. <laughs> who who weren't born when she so high was like, yeah. <laughs> what? The world is strange. <laughs> oh, I need to see strange. footage of that. Like, there is, Illuminati's, there is, man. Oh, there is absolutely... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tal Bachman is obviously part of the Illuminati's. Yeah. Mm. No, I agree. This is just, like, perfectly serviceable and fun power pop. There were two things I liked. The false endings. I hated the false endings. I loved them! Go to hell. Fuck you. 
And I also found out that he's worked with REM. So oh. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he was like BFFs. REM or mytism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't mad for the false endings. Well, no. you like haters in Lord of the Rings, it, as they like say in the classics. Huh. Yeah. <sighs> all right, I think that's that's all for little Maddie Sweet. So, uh, oh, one last thing. Go to his Wikipedia page. Please. Yes. Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up. Holy Your reaction fuck. picture folder needs you. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. That's all we're going to say. That's all we're going to say. Ouch. That's fucking mean, to be honest. <laughs> we probably will be put posting that photo a lot throughout the course of this probably. season in various different places. <laughs> when, it's, when it's our faces when something happens. Yeah. <laughs> or just in general. Yeah. Just like weekly. The guitar Hottest solo one- had me like. <laughs> Hottest 100s and thousands just eventually going to become like that one picture of Jim Carrey, except it's going to yeah. become that one picture of Matthew Sweet. When you're, when you're five minutes in, just on myself and chill, and he give you yeah. his face. <laughs> <laughs> Shit's getting dank. <laughs> sweet, oh. sweet memes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. This is Faith No More at number 91 with Dig in the Grave. One in the 1995 Hottest 100. The song is called Dig in the Grave. And uh, we actually get to talk about a Faith No More song that sounds like a Faith No More song, mm. which is mm. interesting. Uh, so previously uh, we heard uh, Easy, uh, their cover of the Commodore's classic, uh, which uh, is interesting because it's one of their biggest hits and is in no way a reflection of what Faith No More actually sound like. If you were kind of like brought in, it's just like, oh, that's kind of pleasant. That's kind of nice. I wonder what the rest of their shit sounds like. It's just like, oh, right. Do they have it? Is it on a best of of theirs? Because that is indeed. It's on all their best ofs, surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think their best of is called We. uh, No, Who Cares a Lot. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a nice band. Yeah, I know. I love that song, Easy. I'm going to buy this for my grandson. Oh, Oh, man. He cares a lot. I care a lot about him. (laughs) Have this album. Uh, but yeah, look, I'm probably one of the only people in here. Uh, I I probably am the only person in here that likes Faith No More to a degree. Like, uh, I think I they're quite interesting when they go a little bit harder and they go a little darker and a little weirder. Uh, Roddy Bottom, uh, the band's keyboardist, plays second guitar on this, so adds a bit more extra crunch to Is the that sound. Really his thing. last name? Yeah, B O T T U M. Bottom. Yeah, I like the kind of shifts in dynamic. I, I, I've always been fascinated by Mike Patton as a vocalist, how he can go from those like those weird like higher notes to those like like those super like weird like demony kind of noises. This is a cool little track. Uh, it's not like a standout like must have single in their discography, but uh, I think it's got its moments. I, I I think it's kind of cool, but. Uh, 
yeah, it's a, it's a it's a weird one to include in the Hottest 100, and it's a weird one to kind of be like time capsule Faith No More to be like this is what they were doing because this is like a couple of years before they split up too. So we're getting towards the end of their uh, their reign of terror, as it were. All right, I'll throw it to the jogs. What do you kids got? Well, I'm glad you mentioned the word weird so much because that's kind of like where I sit with Faith No More, but I use it in kind of like a complimentary way. Every time I come to a Faith No More song, number one, I don't know what to expect. Not just because they are unknown to me, but because every time I do put it on, they do manage to bring something a little bit different. And even when I think I've got it figured out, I don't really truly have it figured out. I think that song is representative of that to an extent as well. I love the way that it just... There's no foreplay involved. It just kind of comes straight in with it. It really does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah straight away. It's a fine enough kind of driving rock song, and it still has that kind of Faith No More element, where which intrigues me. And so I guess I f- the main feeling I have with Faith No More is that I'm not done with this song because I don't quite understand it, but I'm kind of done with it because I feel like I never will understand it. So it sits in this kind of weird space that all Faith No More ends up sitting in. Except the mystery. Yeah, and it's and it's intriguing and, uh, and whatever, and... Uh, I don't care. This, this to me is, <laughs> is, I imagine I would hear this kind of, maybe this exact song or a song that sounds a lot like this when like Mike Patton fanboys would rave about Faith No More I and mean, they'd be like, no, listen to this. And you'd hear <laughs> they it and be that like- that band too, aren't they? Yeah, that's yeah. part. Like, I, I, I have no, I, I, to be honest, I haven't really explored them. The songs that I've heard have always been like, that's all right. It's not worth me exploring though. And it's another, <laughs> this is another one of those. Like there's, it's good enough, I guess. I really, I like that kind of middle instrumental Bit. Um, I think Mike Patton obviously has a very good voice. He's, mm. a, he's yeah. undeniably a good singer. Um, yeah, and he, he's he, got he a certain interesting, charisma. He's very charismatic. Yeah. Um, he has a great that uh, when after that instrumental passage, and he has some kind of guttural demonic growling there, which I think he does very well. Um, and but I guess overall the tune is just so a relatively straightforward rock that more than anything else, this just serves to be like another brick in the wall of the like I don't really get faith no more building that I live in. Sure. Like, it's okay. And but. yeah, and I guess the I don't get faith the more kind of drives me to action a little bit more than maybe it does for you. Yeah, right. Yeah, because I've heard enough songs of theirs that I've always been like, like I've got friends who are really big fans of them. I'll be in the car and that will be on, and I'll be like, who's this? And I go, faith no more. I'm like, oh yeah. And like, it's always like, oh yeah, that's okay to listen to. It's not, yeah. it's not, it's not repulsive, but I'm not, I, I don't think to myself, it is not the first time because it was in that exact same context that I first heard Jane's Addiction so after you... years of knee jerking away from all grunge bands. And then when I first heard. Jane's Addiction. I was like, holy crap, I had to get this album immediately. And when I hear mm. Faith No More, I'm like, I'm happy to hear Faith No More every now and then in someone else's house or car. Yeah. This song's fine, though. Like, I, like, I kind of come to it the same thing. Like, Mike Patton is a phenomenal vocalist. All of the band is doing really good stuff here. And, like, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I hugely respect Faith No More, like, both for their technical proficiency, but also they're quite adventurous as far as bands yeah. like that go. Like, they're, just, they're just not doing it for you. Yeah, that's it. Like, I, I don't feel anything for this song, but I, I get that they're pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know. Yeah, that's, that's fair, fine. yeah. I, like, and I, I hugely respect that Faith No More, unlike a lot of bands, you know, coming from my own musical prejudice or whatever, yeah. of that style, they push themselves from what, what I see mm. uh, a lot more than a lot of bands. Yeah, they really yeah, do. That's fair. Yeah. I'm not sure if we get to talk about them again. Oh, this, really? this might be it for a little while, but... Uh, what about Epic? Has Epic already happened? Oh, good question. Yeah. I guess we'll find out in the future. With the robots. <laughs> God damn robots. Don't say that. Get yeah. off my lawn! <laughs> <laughs>
That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks again once again to FBI Radio for having us. FBIRadio.com uh, Before we get out of here, we're going to talk about our favourites and our least favourites. I am going to go with protection for my favourites. And uh, least favourites... Oh, it's a tough one. I, I kind of almost don't want to give it. Because uh, it would end up just... It would end up in tears, but I guess sick of myself, maybe? Sort You're about of, to say tism of... then. Was, whoa. Oh, even then, I don't know. Like, it's a, it's a tough one. Like, everyone's a winner in their own way t- huh. today, I, I think. Uh, but they all Mac, showed up. Mac. Yeah, exactly. Participation awards for everybody. Yeah. No, Matthew Sweet is definitely the weakest in my eyes. I was r- relatively unimpressed by this. And obviously my favorite was all homeboys are dickheads. Yep. I'm going to go with protection. In case it wasn't clear, I think that song is absolutely next level gorgeous and beautiful. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, for fear of the wrath of the Illuminati's, <laughs> nevertheless, going to say that Matthew Sweet is not sweet. Tism for favourite and Faith No More for least favourite. It's sad. I feel bad for Massive Attack and UMI. I feel really bad for UMI. To have to have been in, yeah. in an episode, uh, at least tism. the first three of which were so we're strong. We're out of the park. Like, yeah. Yep. On behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald. Thank you very much. On behalf of Mr. Nathan Harrison. It was lovely to be here. And on behalf of Mr. Adam Cuncher. Sorry, Buncher. See ya. My name's David Adam Keep music evil. See you later. So much pain when I have to read this. <laughs> that was a good one. Do we have a Shut USB? up, Robert. <laughs>